stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. As joined always by my co-host, Jake the Snake. I'm gonna make it more of Black Luster. Doing great! <laughs> and uh, we're doing a couple Joe Dante movies tonight in Small Soldiers and Gremlins 2, the new batch. Yeah, Joe Dante movies where little things are causing big problems. <laughs> Pretty fun. Yeah. Get right into it. Well, first of all, I want to do just a quick football talk because next weekend, when we're not recording, there's going to be a big game. And for once, I think the game could go either way for me. For once, I'm I'm actually going to watch the game. For once, I'm actually not going to be extremely disappointed about who wins. I mean, I'm leaning towards one team. Might be disappointed if they win, but I ain't going to be, like, too pissy. If the other team wins. So, Scott, who do you got? 49ers or Chiefs? I mean, it's kind of hard to go against the 49ers, but I really want the Chiefs to win because, I mean, they've been at it for so long. I, I just, they deserve it at this point. Yeah, Chiefs are who I'm kind of leaning towards, too. Well, you know, little story here. Of course, the household's always kind of been a Bears household. But in the 90s, Mom became, uh, kind of became a Sheeps fan when Joe Montana joined the team. 
I don't know why. I mean, she never really cared for Montana that much when he was with the 49ers, but suddenly when he joined the Chiefs, she started to care. So, yeah, just for a brief time, he became a Chiefs household a bit. But, yeah, I mean, I've always did kind of admire the Chiefs a bit. And I got to say, I think Patrick Hope. Mahomes might be one of my favorite non-Bears players in the league right now. Hey, that, that guy's just fun to watch. And, well, you know, if he loses, he's still young. He's got plenty of other chances, too. Yeah, but who knows how much longer Andy Reid has got. Yeah, I think that guy definitely deserves the ring. He's been at for so many years. And just before this, only one other Super Bowl, which he unfortunately didn't win. Uh, I, I think that guy deserves at least one ring before he retires. I, I don't know how many years he plans on going for, but, you know, I got a feeling if win this one, they might not win another, at least with him. Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, 49ers, yeah, they've been kind of fun to watch, too. Look at this. Like, last week, they practically won without pretty much passing the ball a lot. Like, what, eight passing attempts the whole fucking game? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, well, they couldn't stop that Mostart guy, so they're like, well, if it keeps working, just keep doing it. And, and then they're saying, you know, of course, the coach is Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan's son. And that was always something I always liked about Mike Shanahan's teams is that he always had such a good offensive line schemes that pretty much anybody could run behind that line and be a superstar. I mean, with that kind of system he has, I guess even I could be a good running back in that system. Hi. <laughs> highly doubt that you'd be a little bit slow <laughs> yeah yeah but you get my point and plus you know, the 49ers win well their kickers are former kickers so be kind of cool to see him get a ring former giants kicker too oh yeah he was with the giants wasn't he yeah so like i said i'm leaning towards chiefs but you know it could go either way for me you know it's <laughs> just as long as it's not like a, a fucking blowout like a 48 seriously since the last super bowls that could have gone any way for me was uh i think the panthers and broncos and you know that was a good game i mean more of a defensive slug out but hey nothing wrong with a little defense once in a while yeah what is it, the number one defense against the number one offense yeah something like that it should be interesting yep all right enough of that so got you have a fucked up sec position for us yes i do <laughs> should be uh quite fun this time around it's called the houdini you are doing a girl doggy style while she's facing a window to the outdoors. Halfway through thrusting, you do a pull-out move to say, I don't know, finger her a little in quotations. And then your friend, who is strategically hidden in the room, sneaks in and inserts himself as if it were you. This is when you quietly exit the room, reappearing outside the window where you know, or where you now, smiling ear to ear, wave at your girl, who suddenly thinks if he's out there, who's fucking me? <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not your uh, generic threesome, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much suggesting the girlfriend never just looks back at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll keep your head straight. Don't look this way. <laughs> well, okay then. Well. Entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
one trailer that dropped was a Morbius trailer, and it's interesting because it possibly opens up quite a few possibilities. I mean, it's a Sony Spider-Man verse movie, but of course, there's some big hints that it could be a little bit more than just Sony. Have you seen this trailer? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? I think I still don't want to support Sony Spider-Man movies, but I mean, you know, the vultures in there, and you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, it's a, what is this? Ah, it's totally in the MCU." No, it's not, people. If yeah. you know, the MCU and Sony have a deal working out that the MCU can use the Sony characters, but the Sony characters can't interact with the characters from the MCU. So, yeah, so, let's clear things hmm. up. So the oh. vulture could be in there because he's technically a Sony Spider-Man character. And of course I hear some rumors that uh, possibly could be connected to like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man as well. So mm, No, that's actually... The writing on the wall is actually a still from the PlayStation 4 game. Oh, okay. And of course, not only Adrian Toomes, but I'm also hearing that uh, J. Jonah Jameson could be in this movie as well. Yeah, they're going to start putting him in all those movies. In like everything even the next venom movie just in in bit roles kind of like what far from home was okay i see that it's not like he's gonna have a major part and yeah i never know too much about the character of morbius i mean i just know that he's basically a vampire character i actually read the comic book that he was introduced in a a scientist with a rare blood disease and you know he tries to cure himself by using like uh, bat dna is wrong and then he ends up having to drink blood to keep on living yeah of course i I was watching a video about this and uh, of course in the comics the condition just makes them kind of fucked up looking like a vampire bat and well in the movie it's jared leto yeah he doesn't need help looking fucked up and of course maybe this will maybe lead into another blade movie sometime soon as well Um, blade is already confirmed for the mcu so Mm, okay with uh, Mahershala Ali. Oh, yeah. Surprised you forgot that. Yeah, I'm surprised I forgot you. Wah, yeah. wah, wah. But, uh, yeah, we have a bunch of MCU confirmed news. I don't know if you've been up to date with it. Oh, yeah, what are those? But, uh, Captain Marvel 2's got the go-ahead. Okay, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the plot leaks, you know, Craven the Hunter. Yep, I've heard that. that. Spider-Man, the Thunderbolts. It's basically like Red Hulk and like a uh, yeah, Thunderbolt Ross kind of yeah kind of movie. And then uh, there's there's just a whole bunch of shit that's that's been out there. I mean, you can literally just go online, look up MCU Phase Five news, and just find yeah, and <laughs> find a bunch of stuff. I mean, I think it's just fan art. But I saw somebody like make fan art of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Craven. Like that actually would work yeah i don't know there's some weird news that uh anaconda reboot in the works <laughs> yeah 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 i heard about that yeah, it just came out yesterday yeah kind of funny considering you know last time i talked about how i decided to watch anaconda to close out the year and just random choice and now random choice of uh reboot news now, of course he was her saying it not really a sequel remake reimagining it's just like ah just fucking call it a remake or a sequel why they gotta try to dance around this terminology i i just don't fucking get it kind of like with what i'm writing 
spoiler alert. And from what you told me, I would call it like a reboot. And and you know they they keep calling you know the latest Halloween movie a reboot. I'm like it's a fucking sequel. Just just call it a fucking sequel. Like, is it really that fucking hard? I've only heard it be called as a sequel. I don't know. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard it be called a reboot. Yeah, I guess I've heard some people throw the term reboot around a lot. And you know, of course, uh, that if fucking... people think it's a reboot, then they're fucking stupid. Like, yeah. did you really not pay attention at all during the movie? Like, God, I can't deal with stupid people. I really can't. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, the latest Grudge movie is called the Reboot, and now it's more of a sequel, you know, which kind of delves into remake territory. But of course, I just call that movie a piece of shit. So, <laughs> fuck that movie. I really hate that movie. Have I told you that? Dude, I warned you not to go. Eh, curiosity killed the cat. You know what? People need to start fucking listening to me. It's pissing me off. Like, <laughs> when I tell you something's gonna suck or something's gonna flop, it typically does, and people still go see it anyways. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. Dark Phoenix. I, as soon as the first trailer for that came out, I said, that movie is gonna flop. And what happened? Nobody went to see it. Yeah, at least that one I at least waited for video. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a thing with me when it comes to at least theatrical movies. I'm like, especially, you know, whenever they introduced movie pass and all that shit, I'm like, you know, I can pretty much see whatever I want right now. And like I said, there's just a little bit of curiosity that goes with these kind of movies sometimes. And, and you know, with The Grudge, I was thinking, you know, I don't think that's going to be very good but it looks like it just might be okay at best, and yeah, I was wrong. You poor bastard. Yeah, uh, I think I've learned my lesson just a little bit, because you know, a few more horror releases came out the last few weeks, and I'm just like, nah, no thank you. Yeah, you know, I skipped out on Underwater, and uh, from everything I'm hearing, I might as well be skipping out on uh, The Turning. I don't expect... I don't know what people expected from that. That movie looked like garbage just from the trailers. Yeah, I first heard about that movie when uh, I did the upcoming horror movies for the year, like a few episodes ago. And despite the fact that it's got Finn Wolfhard, I just watched that trailer and I'm like, uh, looks like this will be typical PG-13 jump scare fest. Is it PG-13? I believe so. Oh, what do you know? That's a problem with horror movies nowadays. They keep releasing them in PG-13 because they want these kids to go in and see them. But the thing is, nobody likes watching PG-13 horror. You know suck. I've always said, you know, PG-13 is not always a bad thing. You know, some movies it will work. I mean, if you decided to remake The Exorcist and have it PG-13, and it's just like, no, no, no fucking way. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. But, of course, I've always also said that if a movie is good enough, you won't be thinking about the rating at all. And, you know, there's been a few PG-13 horror movies I've watched, and I've enjoyed it so much that, again, it's like, oh, yeah, this movie's PG-13. I mean, maybe if you're, like, trying to make a more atmospheric-type movie just to kind of get under the skin just a little bit, then, you know, obviously it doesn't need gore or lots of swearing or titties, so, you know, obviously a PG-13 would work, but... 
but if you're just trying to make a slasher movie and whatnot, and well, if we're talking uh, about making a slasher like Black Christmas or something like that that they came out with, that was PG-13, I believe, too, right? Yeah, yeah, and everything that, I'm hearing. <laughs> that doesn't work. Like, you can't make a slasher movie and make it PG-13. It just doesn't appeal to anybody because you know right off the bat you're not going to be getting, you know, you know, good kills. Everything is going to be the cutaway shots and off screen. Like, you know, what's the point? You want to see that stuff. And yeah, of course. You're being denied. Everything I'm hearing about that movie is just that it was more about the very ham-fisted message. Well, that movie I'm kind of glad I did skip out on. Like the movie I'm writing right now, it will be rated R if it gets bought and made into a movie. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. There's a, a scene I wrote about this guy in a ditch. Right? And I wrote it specifically so that you would see some nasty shit. Think hostile. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, well, you see, that's another thing for me. If the movie starts out as R and the studios are like, oh, we need to cut this down to PG-13, then that's, I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's a problem right there. That's a big problem because you know there's too much studio involvement and it's not going to be the cut that the director wants. Yes, exactly. Of course, you know, look at some older classics like Jaws. You know, that's a PG movie, and, you know, that was actually good. Yeah, that that was before the, the rating thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, by day, today's standards, that would be PG-13. But Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like that movie, it, It's you can get away with more stuff like that because it's not like you're seeing everything. Yeah. I mean, you see the blood in the water, but yeah, it's just it's just blood in the water. It's not like you're seeing legs getting ripped off. And, well, you know, uh, there is a up, severed up. arm in that movie. Remember that? Well, I'm, you're not seeing it happen. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like if you just see, you know, body parts laying around, that's that's not too bad. Yeah, and again, that movie's kind of more about the suspense. Yeah, and it just does that very well. Yeah. But movies nowadays, it's just everybody wants to get to the punchline right away. It's like, no, you can't do that. I, I stopped watching new horror movies just because I, I don't like them. I don't like the story in, like, any new fucking movies. Like, the latest I'll go is, like, The Crazies from 2009. Like, that... Right around then is when the tipping point started going downhill really fast. Yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh... uh... You know what? Uh, yeah, that's all stemmed from Anaconda reboot, and I just think uh, somehow went into the grudge and then went into the turning. And yeah, see, we don't need Sean for all these. Things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, people. <laughs> uh, Sean would be so proud. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that, that was like what five minutes if we had Sean on, you know, at ten minutes on. <laughs> Oh. Uh, moving on. Uh, unfortunate passing, Terry Jones, the uh, founder of Monty Python, dead at never, 77. Never watched Monty Python. Uh, I used to watch uh, at least some movies. <laughs> the Holy Grail, you know, one I've probably seen the most and seen stuff like uh, The Meaning of Life. I mean, uh, <laughs> nobody ever recommended it to me, so it's just it kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, of course, I like the other guys in there, John Cleese and Eric Idle. You know, those guys made appearances in other movies. Either way, I mean, just pretty sad. Well, yeah, speaking of death, uh, Rock's father passed away, too. Yeah, that one kind of came out of nowhere. Rocky Jansen. Yeah. 
Sorry, Rock. Tommy Chung's thing about writing a Cheech and Chong horror movie, and hey, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Did you hear that uh, Tom Savini is going to be doing special effects for Corey Taylor's movie? Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. And that's kind of cool, you know, considering uh, Savini helped Corey with his new look. I mean, still, the details aren't known very well about that movie, but it was just a fact. That is Corey Taylor means I'm automatically going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, can't can not see anything Corey Taylor could do. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Cheech and Chong horror movie. Goddamn, when's the last time we actually got a fucking Cheech and Chong movie? Like, maybe 30 years. Easily. I think uh, Cheech and Chong comeback should be, should be uh, warranted, especially if it's a horror movie. <laughs> I really just don't see how the hell that would work out. Like it, it had, it would have to be more comedy horror based. Like it, I don't think it can be straight up horror. Well, yeah, I think that goes without saying. I, just, I, I can't imagine what he would come up with. His freaking mind is so fried that <laughs> it could come up with just about anything. <laughs> you know, man's in his 70s, did marijuana for years, so, hey, I gotta say, you know, I think marijuana is safe. Hey, I mean, he, he fucking he played a perfect Leo on uh, yeah, the that 70s show, so, so <laughs> I'm sure he could, he could pull anything off. Yeah, I've read somewhere that he wants to do a uh, That 70s Show reunion, but all he's saying I can see throwing a wrench at that is that Danny Masterson's been in a shit ton of trouble lately. Yeah. I mean, whether or not yeah, you... That's kind of why that freaking ranch show just fell off the radar. Because they fired him. I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. Not, you know, he was you know, a big part of that show, and you take a big piece like that away, it's just like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to watch this anymore. That's why they just released the the last ten episodes of that show. Yeah, I've heard co-workers talking about that yesterday. I really wish that Netflix wasn't stupid, but, you know, they are. Just, I, I can't give them any more of my money. No matter how many good movies they have on Netflix, I just, I cannot give them my money anymore. Yeah, I just heard they canceled, like, a few more other shows, like, well, Mind Hunters. I think that's what it was called. Although, that's, I think, more on the creator than Netflix themselves, from what I'm hearing. And there's that show I watched, uh, Marianne, I think that's what it's called. Like, a French show about which I watched a few episodes, like, last year, and was like, well, you know what, this is actually pretty good, and well, didn't get renewed for a second season. So it just seems like <laughs> um, if it's not Stranger Things, you're kind of screwed when it comes to being a TV show on Netflix. Well, even Stranger Things is going to be uh, done. I got one more season and they're done. This last bit I got here, not really much of a new story, but uh, it was just something I've always heard for many years that Robert Englund was actually auditioning for a part in Star Wars. Well, I've heard Luke Skywalker, but now I think recently I've heard it was Han Solo. So he's like, came out about it and he's like, uh, you know what? That was actually wrong. Sounds like he was auditioning for a part in Apocalypse Now, which was like in the same studio and like, oh, they just won some Polaroids of me. Oh, something like that but like i didn't read for it and of course he did go on to tell his roommate mark hamill about that movie and we know how that turned out i always thought that was just kind of interesting you know always been hearing something about that the last time i saw him at a convention i was almost going to ask him about it but unfortunately well we ran out of time before they reached me yeah because uh, that's the thing about robert england at uh, conventions especially the q a panels i think he's very long-winded 
Oh. There's, you know, I can't complain too much. I mean, he's just so interesting to listen to when he goes into his little diatribes. But, you know, when it comes to, like, trying to get a question in, then that kind of sucks. But, yeah, what can you do? I still want to go to a horror home. Yeah, it's going to be seven years since I last been to one this year. Almost a decade. Yeah, it's kind of hard when you consider expenses, and you know, I don't know if anybody else really goes. Yeah, as far as I know, I think yeah. Jason's the only one who still goes these days. I mean, it's not like I, I have to go to fucking meet everybody from the podcast circle. Just go meet some of my, you know, my favorites in the horror community. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, that's true, but that's the main reason I did want to go, just to four hounds like that, just to meet the guys, you know, meet Tyler, meet Balsack, meet Stan and Craig. And then your expectations were (laughs) way too high. I think they were met. I mean, granted, that first horror hound, I was uh, pretty much gone because I didn't eat anything all day. And just had a few beers and I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, there's also been news of uh, Firestarter and Sleeping Beauties, Stephen King being made. Sleeping Beauties? Yeah, it's a... Uh, I think that's what it's called. It's a... Uh, I, I don't even know what it's about, but I know uh, AMC was uh, in talks for it. Uh, okay. Of, like, producing it. I don't know. I figured you would know more about it than I would. Yeah, I guess I haven't been paying too much attention to that. It popped up, I think, on... Uh, it was, like, one of the iHorror or whatever. Maybe I should start paying attention to that more. I mean, like I said, I've been mostly getting everything from movie web these days. Hmm, problem right there. Oh, I think that's about it, though. Good lord! What are you watching? Family Guy. I've been out on the rotation a lot because, you know, why not? It's on Hulu. I can I can just throw it on if I got nothing going on and just say, hey, look, I'm, I'm watching Family Guy. <laughs> um, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Started watching that. I got 15 episodes in. I think pretty interesting so far. I'm not sure how I feel about the uh, the whole art style or anything yet. Yeah, that's something that always kind of turned me off from watching the show. I mean, maybe the story's good, but I always thought the animation looked like so goofy, especially for like you know supposedly a very serious show. Yeah, it was. I know it was uh, George Lucas created show it was like the last thing he did before he sold the uh the rights here's a very serious show about everything that's going to lead into everything you love let's animate it like a fucking uh huh i can't how the fuck would you describe it uh kids show yeah yeah even seen a bunch of other kids shows a lot more well animated than that honestly yeah i mean it's just it is what it is yeah trying to be different yeah, I guess. Um, last night I watched Far From Home. Still, still don't think Mysterio's dead. Going back again, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. After, you know, you know, oh, we're we're not gonna be in the in the universe anymore. This and that, blah blah blah. After all that shit, like, it, yeah, it was hard to watch, especially knowing that, you know. There's only two more on the deal, but you know, I, I really just hope that fucking Marvel wises up and just buys the rights for Spider-Man. They made enough money last year alone right. to pay for what Sony wants. Like, uh, just yeah. fucking pay them already and get the rights back. The amount of money they've made last year, they can 
pretty much do fucking anything. <laughs> yeah. If they let the rights go back to Sony and they can't work out another deal, then they'll be foolish. You know, it's, that'll be like the stupidest thing they've done. Because, I mean, honestly, Tom Holland Spider-Man, probably... Right now, the best superhero in the MCU. Yeah, I would say so. Like, he's portrayed the best out of any of the, the characters. That's not saying that, you know, like, when Deadpool gets brought in, if, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, in the main timeline or not, because that's been a really big discussion, like, because, you know, they want to keep him rated R, so they may not have him be in the main timeline, but maybe, like, a, a an alternate one. Yeah. Just so that they can do what they want to do and, you know, let them do what they want. I don't know. Uh, I've also heard rumors that uh, there's going to be a Hulk versus Wolverine movie with mm. Hugh Jackman. Interesting. Wolverine, one more time. I, just, I watched a video the other day. They were saying, like, uh, you know, the, the stipulations for Hugh Jackman coming back. And it would be him alongside the Avengers or okay. him versus like the Hulk or you know maybe Deadpool and that's it but he's not gonna like do like a 10-year deal and be in, get to old man Logan again yeah I guess I can see that because you know he and Patrick Stewart they said goodbye to their characters and Logan so yeah I guess that makes thing. sense they what? talked to Patrick Stewart about uh yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, I guess it was just, like, ideas about, you know, what they could do with the character, or like, how to introduce him. There's rumors that he could be uh, brought in in Doctor Strange 2. That's sounding, a, like, right now, it sounds like Doctor Strange 2 is turning into Captain America Civil War. <laughs> like, there's going to be a lot of heroes in that movie. I, I guess. Like, every day, like... I open up YouTube and it's like, oh, you know, this this new character is going to be in Doctor Strange 2. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no wonder Scott Derrickson left. He just, I wouldn't want to deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much about it for me. Let's see. Well, for me, I watched this movie. It's on Shudder. Uh, it's called, well, there's like a few titles for it. One called Dial Code Santa Claus, and um, I forget uh, what the other title for it was. So basically, it's a late 80s, early 90s little horror flick from France, I believe. Some kid, he's like living in a mansion with his mom and grandpa. On Christmas Eve, mom goes to work, leaving them behind. And, well, this killer dressed up as Santa breaks into the mansion. Pretty much a cat and mouse game, but I gotta say, set designs were actually kind of cool because there's like some secret tunnels to this mansion that the kid and his grandpa know about and you know some trap doors and all of that yeah sure just a little random find it was actually pretty enjoyable so if you got shutter i would recommend checking that out i got rid of my shutter a long time ago i still kind of regret it because now i can't watch creep show you remember that movie well we did a few years ago the funhouse massacre which uh <laughs> me and sean didn't get around to watching just because we had to get everything in last minute well i finally watched it he did it for nfw yeah and i gotta say that was actually a pretty good one that was the one where the the girl where wore sister skin out at the end yeah yeah that one and other than that honestly I've just been binge-watching Bob's Burgers on Hulu. Ah, fucking smack you. 
<laughs> I don't yeah. get how anybody can watch that show. It's not funny. I think it's funny. There's a one episode. There's one episode that really makes me laugh. Like the kid Gene finds a smart toilet in the woods. See how that thief stole and accidentally dropped in the woods. And so the thief's like going after him, trying to find the toilet. And there's one part that really makes me laugh where he's just looking at the window. There's a thief watching him from the truck, and he does a whole. I'm watching you, symbol, you know, the pointing to the eyes and then back at him. And Gene's like, ah, now he's trying to switch eyes with me. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, other than that, yeah, that's really all I've been watching. Yeah, pretty short opening this week. Made only long by little random rants. Hey, that's what we're good at on this show. Exactly. So I think chronologically, I come first so we're going to put in a song uh, I think I'm going to plug in some Slayer, which was played in a movie and then you hear a trailer and we'll be back to talk about Gremlins 2 The New Badge.
remember the last time? We told you not to feed them after midnight. We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Sir, is the building on fire? No, no, that's a false alarm. Uh, are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Hey, we are back with Gremlins 2, the new batch. Came out June 15th, 1990, a 6.4 on the IMDb, which is about a point lower than the first movie. Of course, Joe Dante comes back to direct and a lot of returning characters. Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Dick Miller returns. But wait a second, didn't Dick Miller die in the first movie? Well, we'll get into that. There's actually a bunch of new faces like John Glover, who was that uh, one asshole from Scrooge with Bill Murray. Got even Christopher Lee in this movie and a bunch of other surprise appearances, which we will get into. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad Sean's not here. (laughs) (laughs) This movie, well, actually begins with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. You know, Warner Brothers symbol coming up, Bugs Bunny laying on it, and Daffy comes along. He's like, no, sir, I am in charge now. Maybe one day I'll be able to do a good Daffy, which he tries to take, but of course everything goes wrong. Like, it comes to the screen too quick, and he gets the whole, like, Warner Brothers logo trapped around his waist. So it's like, let's just start the movie now. We get like a good old overview shot of New York and we come across Chinatown to Mr. Wing's place where a bunch of these guys, including a man named Forrester, come to visit him. Have a little proposition for him from a guy called Daniel Clamp. Well, he's based on a real life person, but considering this is a potatoes free show, we won't get into who he's based off of. You can just guess who. Though Mr. Clamp has a video message for him. Yeah, I was just talking about how he wants to buy his space, make new buildings. But, of course, Mr. Wing turns them down. But the guys, well, they think that's not going to last long because we can kind of tell his health seems to be deteriorating as he's coughing a lot. But we can also see that Gizmo is still around and, well, they leave the TV behind and you know, Gizmo's little hand comes out, starts messing with the remote and it's watching some Rambo. And of course, <laughs> Mr. Wing comes back and like, oh, no TV. Well, unfortunately, Mr. Wing does end up passing. No, Gizmo, he's kind of upset. You just feel so bad for the little guy. And of course, the deconstruction or demolishing of the building comes and Gizmo ends up kind of breaking out. So he just uh, goes outside, thankfully, in the shade. Goes the holy hell out of him. 
but some guy just comes upon him and just grabs him. And now we meet our two main characters, Billy and Kate, living in New York now, working for Mr. Clamp, and they're also engaged. And while they're talking about how the Futtermans are coming to visit, who just seemed to survive the last movie. I mean, you know, we never really did see them get hit with the plow, so I guess they could have just jumped out of the way. And it's always a big movie role, in my words. If you don't see them die, they did die. And so they're getting to the Clamp building, we can see Kate is a tour guide for the building. And Billy, he works in the art department, where he has a redhead boss who seems pretty flirty with him. Well, Forrester seems to be a complete major dick to him. And while well, we meet another character, Grandpa Fred, who's a horror host who dresses up as Dracula. But he's like so upset because of the time slot they have this show on now. 3.30 a.m. And now we get to this place in the building called Flights of Life, where they do a lot of uh, genetic engineering. And this seems to be the place they keep Gizmo in now. And we meet a few characters, Dr. Cassiter, played by Christopher Lee, and these two twin doctors. And you know, when I was watching the movie last night, I was like, holy fuck, why do these guys look so familiar? And I looked up and it's like, fuck yeah, that's where. So do you remember in Terminator 2, that one security guard's going to get a drink and then the T-1000 appears behind him takes the form of him and then kills him not really well those two twins were in that scene you know the other one playing the t-1000 as him and so yo they show dr cassiter gizmo who seems to be into dancing to old rock music Hmm. some messenger comes in just to deliver a package and you know he hears gizmo doing his little whistling there and so he comes up to... But... You know what just occurred to me? We need a new team-up movie. Gizmo and the Groundhog from fucking <laughs> Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> team-up you never knew you needed. <laughs> of course, that same messenger goes up to the office Billy works at and yo starts whistling that tune and... Billy's like, uh, sir, where did you hear that? You're like, oh, yeah, that's a little, uh, genetics place down on that one floor. Billy sneaks into there just pretending, you know, he's, uh, he's working on repairs of there. You know, we get some foreshadowing in this lab. You know, there's a big-ass spider, and, you know, they're trying to inject some electric stuff into a rat, and he ends up, uh, getting gizmo they reconnect in the restroom yo just talking and then he goes and hides them in his little drawer and this is when clamp comes to visit this office for like very very first time ever we always look around and you know one of the things he knows is, is billy's drawing and you know he is just like so impressed with his work that you know he's just praising him a lot and he even calls him bill which is apparently a big deal to his boss good old bill and of course, Gizmo, you know, just tries to get out a few times and which Billy says, oh, this is like one of those automatic opening drawers. And so after Clamp leaves, Marla ends up asking him to dinner. You know, it just seems like a whole business decision. But, you know, the way Marla's asking it uh, seems to be a little bit more than maybe business. Billy finds Kate and, you know, tells him he has to be out late tonight. And, well, he tells her that he's found Gizmo. And, well, first she's kind of freaking out of it, yo. <laughs> she knows what happened last time. But he's like, uh, it'll be different this time. There's not going to be any more of those little things. Just just take care of him for me, will you? Back in the office, this janitor, who was actually played by 
the original Gomez Adams. He's come along and he just starts messing with this drinking fountain, which just starts shooting water almost everywhere. And of course, here's little Gizmo just trying to get away from all of the squirting water, which he's kind of successfully doing at first, but eventually it does end up getting to him. Makes me wonder, this fucking thing was that defective? It's... Plot convenience. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't that way, Scott, we wouldn't have had a uh, movie. Oh, I think we would have had a movie. It just could have could have been different. Yeah, I guess. Outcome four new little Mogwais. And I gotta say, the design for these is actually kind of cool looking. And we get two of them that are just fucking mean looking bastards. You know, I gotta like how... You know, they added some black to their fur. You know, they're not looking, you know, quite the same. It makes me wonder, how does a Mogwai originally, you know, come to be? And, like, it makes me wonder, is Gizmo the effect of, like, coming out of another one? Like, like, I had so many questions that I, <laughs> I got watching this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, besides the two very mean-looking ones, there's, like, very, uh... Stupid looking one. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with the buck teeth and the <laughs> laugh. And there's a. And a completely very hyper one. I mean, we're talking about eyes going around and just like bouncing off the walls and shit. Hey, it's Warner Brothers after all. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And so, three of the gremlins end up putting Gizmo right into an event to trap him. And off they go. And, well, Kate comes along to the office and she finds the hyper one and she thinks he's Gizmo. Yeah, I guess, in Kate's defense, she hasn't seen Gizmo for years, so. She really didn't see him all that much in the original. Yeah, I guess that's true. Now we're at the uh, little dinner with Billy and Marla. And, again, she is just, like, extra flirty at this. I mean, I think she wants to do more than just business with Billy. It's, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, of course, Billy ain't having none of it, so he tries to get out. Eh, Not before she plants a little kiss on him. I don't want your stinking kiss. So Kate's at home with a little hyper gremlin, and she ends up, uh, you know, feeding it, you know, just trying to feed it before midnight. And, of course, he's going fucking crazy. And Billy comes home, and he's just asking, what's all this on your shirt? And what he doesn't know is that he's got a little lipstick on him, which, of course, Kate notices. Of course she does. But no time to talk about that because, oh, this guy, he's not Gizmo. We gotta take him back and we gotta look for more of these little guys. Of course, once you know it, arriving right about now are the Futtermans. So, of course, they gotta hide Hyper Mogwai, you know, just so they don't freak out. Like, oh, no, 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 you guys can't stay here tonight. Yeah, they're uh, fumigating the building. Yeah. Well, now we're at the food court and, well, I guess it's a little after midnight. This building's food court is open after midnight. <laughs> There's a lot of people there for being after midnight. Right? Yeah, you think whole building would be closed, but eh, I, I guess not. Four-hour workspaces. I guess so. I mean, you know, even places I worked that were still, you know, have people working after midnight wasn't quite as lively as that. <laughs> yeah, of course, you see the little guys, they're just eating, like, everything and like, the ice cream court, and, you know, they're freaking people out thinking there's rats. Billy and Kate arrive, they're trying to, like, sneak into a restricted area, but, of course, security guard catches Billy. He's like, hey, what you got in that bag? Oh, you don't want to know. 
I think I do. And he opens a bag and little <clears> hyper <throat> guy comes out and pretty much attacks him and then runs away. And of course, even despite the fact that uh, he got just attacked by some weird little creature, he decides still to arrest Billy and take him away. And as they're leaving, well, the camera zooms up and we see three little gross eggs. It's too late. Well, now the morning. Well, Kate's getting Billy out of jail just as some mimes are getting into jail. <laughs> that was a little random. Now they have to get back to the clamp building, but again, it's too late, and these eggs are hatching. And Gizmo ends up getting out of the vents, but runs into one of these new gremlins who finds him and practically tortures him. Yeah, maybe we'll see it throughout most of the middle of the movie, like putting him in a fucking copier, having a little train run into him. <laughs> Billy and Kate are arriving at the building and the others just advising plans on what to do. And of course, Marla comes around, gets a little bit more flirty. <laughs> well, Kate is like, you are so in trouble when this is all done. Kate's continuing just to give tours. And uh, while Billy's going up to a control room trying to tell everybody what's going on, what these gremlins are. And of course, people have like a bunch of these dumb questions. It's like, so what if he eats before midnight, but gets a little piece of food stuck in his teeth? Or what if they're on a plane and just goes into midnight? I mean, well, I mean, got these are kind of some good questions. Yeah, I mean, you gotta think about that time zone shit. <laughs> what time can they eat, you know, in the morning? Like, is it, like, from 12 to 6 that they can't eat? Like, like... Did... Yeah. That, this, this scene right here is what sparked all the questions to start being asked. I think most of these questions we probably asked whenever we did the first Gremlins a few years ago. <laughs> God damn what I want to know! One of these gremlins is in this control room and starts wrecking havoc. And I think this is like the first time we get a good glimpse at new gremlins. And I gotta say, the design for these is actually really fucking cool looking. I mean, they, they up the ante on these. And some of these gremlins are just really freaky looking. Yeah. And of course, you got the goofy looking ones. We see a few more when Kate brings a tour guide to a recording of a show called Microwave with Marge, uh, played by the nun from Blues Brothers. That's her? Uh, Yeah. She looked familiar, but I think I've seen her in something else, too. Well, whenever I pulled her up on IMDb, like, that was, like, the first thing to come up. You know, like, the, uh, you may know her from... And of course, when she opens up on the pot, there's a little hyper gremlin in there. And then the other two, including the really uh, goofy looking one, come out and start wrecking havoc on her show. And they start putting utensils in the microwave, which, of course, is never a good idea because <laughs> it causes a big explosion. And with explosion, of course, comes the fire sprinklers right onto these. You know what that means. Did that fire ever get put out? I guess. I don't know. Okay, it had to have gotten out, but I don't think they ever showed it. Well, I mean, I think the important part is they just wanted to show that the gremlins are multiplying. Yeah. It's like <laughs> cutting the head off a snake. You kill one and another two more spawn. Uh, I think you mean Hydra. Hydra, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, I think you chop the head of a snake. Uh, you I chop mean, the head I'll... off a snake, it's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we there's evidence of that on Friday the 13th. Right? <laughs> Kate just runs off and she goes into an elevator, which is voice activated. So she's telling it what floor to go to. Obviously, the gremlins are messing with it, you know, causes it to go up really quick. And she yells, stop! And she's like, sound the alarm! Which is followed by, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> 
Clamp is in his office, and you, know, you can tell it's the late 80s, early 90s, the way his office looks. Just it's dry it. And gray-colored, and yeah, that seemed to be the look for those uh, rich guys back in those days. Well, at least in the movies. So he's talking to a secretary over the phone about some ideas. And, well, she's, like, reaching for some food. We can see this one gremlin hand just taking out, like, some ingredients of her sandwich and putting it in a mousetrap. And we just hear the secretary scream. And I guess somehow she's dead because, well, we don't really see her again. Well, yeah, so, so she's supposed to be dead, yeah, but we don't see it, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know if it was a mouse trap that... A mouse trap killed her. <laughs> Let's just go with that. It was shock, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta assume she's dead because, you know, Clamp goes out and, well, he sees little gremlin fish in there wearing her jacket on the computer going, ah, oh, that coffee! Throws it coffee pot at him, Clamp and his gremlin start fighting, which all ends up with him putting the gremlin into a paper shredder. Which, <laughs> really fucking cool. Green blood everywhere. And it's just kind of an answer to the whole microwave scene from the first movie, I think. And so, uh, yeah, Billy and Forster come in, just start telling them about what the fuck's going on here. And, well, Kate's still in the elevator, which starts going down again, like, really quick. You can see Hyper is messing with the controls, and there's a bunch of other, these gremlins. Well, they're at the bottom of it, and, well, the elevator ends up crashing and squashing a bunch of these gremlins. And, uh, well, we just see more gremlin mayhem going around. Like, uh, there's the movie critic, Leonard Malton. I guess Joe Dante wanted him in this movie because he apparently gave the first gremlins a very bad review. So this was his answer to it. Because we see him, he's reviewing the first gremlins just that on a tape. And I don't see why people dig this trash. It is just so violent and blah, blah, blah. And then the <laughs> gremlins come along and start attacking him just as as it goes to this please stand by picture, we just hear him yelling, I, I'm just joking! It's a Ted! It's a Ted! <laughs> well, these gremlins get into the lab and start drinking a lot of these potions and causing some uh, gremlin mutation. Well, one gremlin turns into, like, a tomato creature. <laughs> and then, well, this one gremlin drinks a brain potion and he starts spazzing out, falls down to the floor. When he comes back up, he's got glasses on and suddenly he can speak with a British accent. And he's like, I would like to tell you about what's going on right now. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about what's going on in this room, because I think there are some fascinating ramifications here for the future. When you introduce genetic material of research quality to a life form such as ours, which is possessed of a, a sort of, a, I hesitate to use the word, atavism, but let us say a highly aggressive nature. For example, that fellow over near the, um... I believe that's a common bat of the order Choroptera, the only mammals, I might add, capable of flight. Ah, oh, genetic sunblock. Yes. Might I have a brief word with you? My friend, you have potential. I want to help you be all that you can be, may I? As I'm sure you're aware, sunlight poses a problem for our uh, ethnic group. We don't tin, we don't burn. Frankly, we just become a rather unappetizing sort of photochemical leftover. Thus, this formula, specially designed for those of the nocturnal persuasion, to make bright light no problem whatever. That will be of crucial usefulness where you will be going. 
What does he mean where he'll be going? We can't let them get away. All they have to do is to eat three or four children and there'd be the most appalling publicity. There it is. The apple. The city's so nice they named it twice. Check it out one time, won't you? <laughs> I guess this uh, potion made him grow glasses too, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> This other gremlin drinks this bat potion and then pretty much becomes bat gremlin, growing wings and shit. I just like how when this happened, yo, you get the whole orgy music and it kind of zooms in on Christopher Lee. He's thinking that's supposed to be like a callback to, yo, his Dracula days. And, well, there's something else in this lab. Genetic sunblock. So the brain gremlin ends up injecting bat gremlin with this. So he can go up to New York City and he ends up flying out and pretty much leaves the Batman symbol right on the wall. You know, something I was thinking about last night is like, so why did he just inject this guy with the genetic sunblock? I mean, I don't know how much there is, but why not inject a few more gremlins with this and get them out to the city? Yeah. I'd like to see that alternate movie right there. <laughs> gremlins 3, the last batch. Gremlins take over the world. Now, in this building is just dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Gremlins attacking everybody. And of course, I had to write in right here is that we even get a Wilhelm scream. Ah! Oh, he's got love. Good old Wilhelm scream. Now, Kate even sees little flasher gremlin like the one we saw in the first movie. <laughs> now we're outside Isn't the that- building. Isn't, uh, like, Nika Toys or something supposed to be doing that? Maybe? I don't know. Sure, Gremlin. I thought I saw that somewhere. Yeah, I have to look for that later. Well, anyway, the Futtermans, they're out touring the city, and they get to this cathedral, which, you know, Miss Futterman, she loves. But, of course, Murray is like, no, that's just too freaky. But, of course, right here, they are attacked by Bat Gremlin, who just goes right for Murray. Ends up with them just throwing them into a, you know, wet cement spot. He ends up pouring a lot more onto him. Well, Bat Gremlin ends up flying to the top of the cathedral with all the cement on him and pretty much becomes a gargoyle. <laughs> gargoyle <laughs> Gremlin. Yeah, it's all that cement on him. I'm surprised he could fly up that high. <laughs> yeah. Well, right here, Billy and Forrester end up running into Dr. Cassiter to just start talking about what's going on here. But at this point, it seems like the film starts breaking. Like, you know, it just starts messing up, and then suddenly it's just wide out. And then you just see little shadows of these gremlins making shadow puppets. Yeah, shit like this makes me wish I saw this movie back in the day when it originally came out. I mean, I think I was like five years old when this, or maybe four years old, so maybe I would have been a little too young for this, but I just would have loved to see the reactions of everybody. It's like, what What the fuck's going on here? Is this actually happening? Yeah, it'd be, be cool to get another Gremlins movie and have a bunch of this stuff in it. It'd be a little different. I mean, you know, with film projections being all, like, digital and whatnot. Yeah... That's after a little of these shell puppets, they show on another movie, which seems to be Nude Volleyball, a very old movie. And now we're seeing the theater. This is being shown at this woman and her little daughter come out, start complaining to the patron. And it's like, this is even worse than the first movie. And then the projectionist comes down. He's like, oh, I quit. So the patron's like, okay, I've had enough of this. So what does he do? He goes out to the audience and finds one particular member. And who is that particular member of the audience? 
It's Hulk Hogan. So he gets up and starts yelling to the projection booth and like, all right, listen to me, little brothers. People come to this movie theater. They want popcorn, drinks, and good movies. So you put the movie back on. I'm going to come up there, you little gremsters. Gremlins. In this theater? Now? Okay, you guys, listen up. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too, right now. Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. And so the Gremlins like, all right, Hulk Hogan ends up looking at the camera's like, sorry, folks. Enjoy your movie. That's probably his How much money do you think he made for that? Just five <laughs> seconds of on screen time. <laughs> yeah, what I really love that one major movie theater I go to. They used to have that, like, when they're doing their, okay, time to quiet down now. They would actually show that clip right there. <laughs> Always oh, one of my favorite parts when I originally. And of course, uh, I think uh, there was an alternate cut when uh, this movie's on VHS because I remember watching it and, you know, instead of like, you know, we showing the movie theater complaint about this, it was like going into like different movies and all ends up with the Gremlins being shot by John Wayne. But, you know, Hulk Hogan, much better. Yeah, I can't see John Wayne in Gremlins. Yeah. It just doesn't work. So now we're back to the actual movie now, and Grandpa Fred, he's just looking around all this chaos, and he decides he's going to pretty much do a news broadcast from inside the building, since a lot of these news reporters can't get into it. So this one Asian tourist who was part of the group Kate was uh, with earlier, he gets him to be his cameraman. We're back to the lab, and we're seeing a bunch of other, like, mutant gremlins. Like, one pretty much turns himself into electricity. One gets uh, acid thrown in his face, so he becomes the Phantom of the Opera. Well, one gremlin ends up turning into a female gremlin, complete with dress, hair, and lots of makeup on. When uh, Bailey, Cassidy, and Forrester come in, well, this female gremlin starts hitting on Forrester, and much to his dismay. So they're, <laughs> they're trying to look around for some way to bring some bright light into the room. But the electric gremlin ends up coming out and killing Catheter. And, well, at this point, Gizmo, he was, like, still tied up at the little train track toys, but he's deciding... You know what? He's had enough. And as he's breaking out, he's getting Rambo quotes in his head. Though he's starting to pump some iron. And, uh, well, here's another real favorite part right here. One of the original Gremlins from the original four. He, uh, gets his little spider potion. He starts drinking it, starting to become a little spider Gremlin. With some I Slayer. I think they called him Mohawk. I don't think they say it exactly in the movies, but, you know, when I was looking this up on Wikipedia, they have some names for these gremlins of, like, George, Lenny, Mohawk, and Daffy. But uh, I'm guessing Lenny might have been the really <laughs> type. <laughs> I think that was, like, uh, George and Lenny supposed to be, like, a uh, reference to of mice and men. And, well, Daffy's obviously the hyper one, but in my notes, I just calling him hyper. But yeah, Mohawk, he's starting to become the spider gremlin. Some Slayer played in the background of this, which, yo, I fucking love so much. Well, Billy gets to Clamp's office and a little electric gremlin comes in, but he ends up getting trapped inside Clamp's answering machine. <laughs> and uh, Pretty good effects for 1990. Yeah, I would say so. 
And, well, Billy's starting to come up with this plan to kill the gremlins. They're going to put the clocks ahead many hours, like three hours ahead to when the sun sets. And then they're going to make the gremlins all come out to the lobby, prepare to go out to cause more mayhem. And then that's when they'll kills them with the sunlight. Clamp, he's excited for just because he gets to use his little uh, secret exit that he's always wanted to try out, which is a, a little skate pod thing that comes out of this tree, like right on a sidewalk outside his building, which he uses, and, well, Mr. Futterman ends up using that to get into the building himself. And, well, more of this mayhem's going on. Alfred, he's doing more of his broadcast inside the building, ends up interviewing the brain gremlin, he says it's like the only gremlin who can talk, but, uh, well, we seem to have heard the other gremlins talk a, a little bit more, so I don't think that's true. You know, like the female gremlin was saying to four-star, Love me! Love me! So he's just interviewing a brain gremlin, asking what they want, and he's like, We just want to be like you, more civilized. And when he's saying this, another gremlin comes along, starts bothering the shit out of him, so pulls out a gun and shoots him. <laughs> he's like, you see, that was not civilized. It was fun, but not civilized. That one of these creatures is somehow able to talk, and he's going to talk with us right now. I think the main question that people have is, the creature, what is it that you want? Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants, and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Yes, but uh, what sort of civilization are you speaking of, creature? The niceties, Fred, the fine points. Diplomacy, compassion, standards, manners, tradition. That's what we're reaching toward. Oh, we may stumble along the way, but civilization, yes. The Geneva Convention, chamber music, Susan Sontag. Everything your society has worked so hard to accomplish over the centuries, that's what we aspire to. We want to be civilized. I mean, you take a look at this fellow here. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Well, around this time, yo, they are messing with the clocks, and they put up, like, a big old tarp right in front of the lobby to make it look like it's dark outside. So, I don't know if we ever saw Billy getting knocked out or if I just missed it while taking my notes, but he's waking up in a dentist yeah. chair. You, uh, he walks into, like, a, a room or something, and you see a shadow with, okay. like, a hand to knock him out. Okay, yeah, I must have been writing notes whenever I did that. But he's wake up in a dentist chair, and there's Hyper Gremlin. <laughs> uh, wanted to use some dentist tools on him. But, of course, Spider-Man comes in and rescues him. And now Marla, who we're seeing for the first time in a while, she ends up getting trapped in a big web. And, of course, Kate is the first one to come in and see her. And, of course, Marla has to explain that, oh, okay, yeah, I was trying to flirt with Billy, but... Believe me, he was not going along with it. This gets Kate to start helping her, but then in comes the little spider gremlin hand. Yeah, again, really fucking cool little effect right here. I mean, that little motherfucker's kind of scary looking. Think it. Right? <laughs> but of course, who comes to the rescue? Gizmo, all decked out like Rambo. Uses a little makeshift bow and arrow to, like, shoot this little fire arrow right at him, and set him on fire. Now we get Billy, Mr. Futterman, reuniting with Kate and Marla. You know, start talking, and, oh, I forget what prompts to talk, but, you know, Futterman starts bringing up Washington and Lincoln, and Kate's like, oh, don't bring up Lincoln's <laughs> birthday. It's, it's kind of pretty much a parody of her little out-of-nowhere Why I Hate Christmas speech from the first movie, except it's with Lincoln's birthday. We had 
the day off, we went to the park and a man came up to me dressed up as Abraham Lincoln. And right here, Billy's like, uh, we do not have time for all this gate. <laughs> so she's got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially with the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be around this girl around any holidays <laughs> exactly all the gremlins are out at the lobby being prepared but before that they must do a little song and dance number singing new york new york of course being led by the brain gremlin something such always weird about this you know they shine spotlights out into the audience of gremlins and like uh apparently they hate that shit so what the hell Plot hole! And, you know, it's just some goofy shit going all along. Like, we see them, like, preparing some weapons or just having some fun. Like, especially the Phantom Gremlin doing a little bit of Phantom of the Opera shit. And well, outside, they're getting prepared to pull down the tarp to expose these gremlins to sunlight. But along comes a sudden storm. So not only blocking out all the sun, but... Yeah, it's gonna start raining soon, and, well, that means more wet gremlins. Now time for Plan B. And, well, Plan B is for Mr. Futterman to use the hose, which is like, uh, that's like the opposite of what we want to do, but Billy's like, no, trust me. He sprays the hose right into this whole audience of gremlins, but they end up finding a phone and getting the extension, and they end up letting the electric gremlin out who starts going through all of the gremlins, electrocuting them, and pretty much melting all of them. <laughs> I'm melting! What a world! <laughs> yeah, even a little wicked witch <laughs> gremlin. So, imagine the stripes melting scene from the first gremlins, only imagine it with a thousand more gremlins. And so, now the gremlins are dead. And Clamp and the firemen end up coming in. And, you know, they just see all this. And he see Grandpa Fred at first. And he's like, dude, I want to make you a news anchor. And your cameraman, he's hired too. Starts going around giving, like, pretty much everyone promotions. Like, he gives Marla a promotion. <laughs> Probably a little bit you more than... A, you get a job. You get a job. Probably a little bit more than a promotion for her. When he's trying to write down something, piece of paper Billy gave him, he sees that it's a drawing of their old hometown. He's like, oh, I love this here you know what we're gonna build this town it's gonna be my own little clamp town billy and kate end up going home with gizmo happily ever after and well clampy gets a little call from a portable phone it's forrester who's at a very top of the building i would guess locked in one of the restrooms and well no way to get out since the elevators are out of order they're like we'll find a way to get you out and uh we see forrester he is like covered with the Lipstick kisses. Suddenly, after he thumbs the phone call, little female gremlin, she's the only survivor, and she comes up to him in a little wedding dress. Gremlin singing the Here Comes a Bride scene. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and Forrester, he's like, You know what? <laughs> Why the hell not? And seems to get given to marrying this little gremlin, and who knows? Probably gets a little lucky, too. I can't imagine how you would get lucky with a gremlin, but okay. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Something probably went down in that little restroom area. <laughs> <laughs> Something. And that is where we roll credits on this. Scott, what do you think of Gremlins 2? It may not be Gremlins 1, but it's still pretty cool. It's kind of like the evolution stage of the Gremlins, you know, that usually, you know, sequels have. 
You know, you got freaking bats and <laughs> grownups turn into girls, and you know, it's just, it's, just, it's funny. You know, it's uh, this is a this is a pretty good movie. Well, I thoroughly enjoy it. This was actually the very first Gremlins movie that I watched. I just remember you. Know, I think it was on TV. You know, I decided to watch it, and I knew very little about the Gremlins at the time. I, I knew what they were, but I just hadn't seen the movies. Yeah. And of course, they always see the movies in the horror section. So, of course, I'm thinking, oh, these are very scary movies right here. And as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, whoa, is this actually a comedy? What's going on here? And, you know, I was actually kind of enjoying it. It's a sequel, so you got to up the ante a bit. So, a lot more Gremlins and another territory. Now, besides tearing up an old town or in the whole building, big-ass building. There's dangers of them getting out to New York. And again, I would just love to see an alternate movie where they do end up breaking out into New York. And I mean, who who would want to see that? Yeah, it'd be a whole zombie thing there. Yeah, except with Gremlins. Yeah, except for what happened when the sun comes up in the morning. But, but yeah, I, yeah, well, the first Gremlins... It, it did have some comedy to it. There were still some really creepy parts, like, you know, the first batch of gremlins we got when they were just in Billy's house, and it was just his mom. You know, that was almost kind of creepy a bit. And it just kind of delves into the comedy aspect. Well, this movie, it just stays in that comedy aspect, and you know what? Good for them. I think with this movie actually works, and we know all the other gremlins we're seeing. Oh, it's just kind of good variety of them, and it's actually just kind of cool. Like, well, of course, I think my favorite still is the little spider gremlin, because that one actually was kind of creepy ass looking. Uh, yeah, I think I gave first gremlins the best, but this one I'm gonna give a pretty good to. But yo, know, it's still a good one, and. Honestly, I gotta say, this is probably the first time i watched this movie in years, and I, I don't know why I don't watch this one more often. I think I watched it a little bit more after the first viewing I watched on TV, and then I, I just can't remember the last time I watched a movie ever since. I mean, you know, there were just a few things I'm just noticing, like, of course, the rock songs. You know, I noticed a little Faith No More, Surprise You're Dead, and, you know, I think I would have, like, noticed that a little sooner. Yeah, so I don't know why I haven't watched this movie a lot more often, but I think I'm going to have to now. Yeah, I just, uh, I wonder where they are now. Yeah, you know, I did think I saw it somewhere. I forgot to bring this up in news section, but talk about doing like a little animated series with the Gremlins. I think it's kind of more of an origin story, so maybe we'll find out the origins of Gizmo and the Mogwai. Yeah, that would be, uh interesting uh, as long as you get the original writers though yeah i mean it's it's their their project you can't just all right hey we're gonna get a new writer for this and they're gonna create a whole new origin story that's probably not even what the original person had in mind right and you know it's just something i've always kind of been wondering too like if they ever do decide to do more gremlin movies in the future you ever kind of Wonder what would happen if Gizmo ends up eating after midnight. Like they uh, end up force feeding him or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that would be definitely something. Yeah, I was just starting to think about what would happen. Like, would he end up being one of those ugly green creatures and all? But of course, I'm always starting to think if yeah, they ever did that, yo, what would be actually kind of cool as if it was leading up to making you think that 
Gizmo's going to end up becoming one of those, but then he ends up being a beautiful, majestic creature. You know, it's just all about how good you really are inside or something like that. Gremlins 3, The Last Batch. Yeah, I wish they would. And, you know, I was looking at this IMDb page. I guess I can kind of see why they haven't talked about a sequel in years. The budget of this movie was $50 million and the box office for it was $41.5 million. So just a little underwhelming, I guess. But, you know, hey, it's been so many years and like now 30 years. And uh, I think it's about time. I think so, too. And, you know, they're practically rebooting or making sequels to many other franchises. So why the hell not Gremlins? Yeah, but, I don't know. Well, the only thing I would practically worry about is nowadays with movie technology, we'll probably get some. Yeah, that's the only thing I worry about because, again, I just cannot stress how awesome the puppets in these movies look. If it's a Gremlins movie, you can't make them CGI. It's like right. Tales from the Crypt. You can't have a CGI Crypt. Right. But uh, who knows? I guess someday we'll end up seeing a new one. Hey, maybe I'll write it. and Maybe we'll end up seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I've said all I can about, about Gremlins, so. Yeah, I think that's about it for me, too. Um, We're going to be moving on to uh, another Geo Dante film. Film I grew up watching over and over on repeat. Small soldiers. I don't know what song I'm gonna put in. Throw away every 
Robotech defense system. In a secret lab, the world's most advanced military microprocessor has been created. But the Cold War is over. For Globotech to survive, new markets must be found. Now, all that power has been placed into the brain of a fighting machine unlike any known to man. They made it strong. They made it clever. They made it small. They made a mistake. Major Chip Hazard reporting for duty, sir. Wow, voice activated. Commandos, Team Peck. Oh, Tail dog, soldier. Rick Bazooka, ready to spring into action. Butch oh. Meat Hook, prepared to go to distance. Hit Nitro, demolition. Kip <laughs> Killigan, sharp as a razor. You are the best of the best. Heartland Play Systems. I'm having trouble with the Commando Elite. It's like they're alive. Let's roll some armor. We got us a war to win. The few. We have met the enemy. He is big. He is fat. Gaia. The proud. He has revealed a weakness. Alan, please, you have to help. <laughs> Major Chip Hazard wants a war. We'll give him a war. The small. Who are you calling small? This summer. Babes at 12 o'clock. Join the Commando Elite. Gentlemen, those are reinforcements. Commandos, attack! No mercy! Incoming! Small soldiers. Command post to break bazooka, report. It's just a flesh wound, sir. You have to be crazy not to be scared. And we're back. I'm discussing small soldiers. Jake, what's the IMDb on that? The IMDb is a 6.2. No. Tad bit lower than Gremlins 2. And came out July 10th, 1998. Yeah, I thought it came out 93 for some reason. Uh, nope. Directed, of course, by Joe Dante, of course. And quite a big cast in this one. David Cross, Jay Moore, and Dennis Leary. And, of course, I'm going alpha, uh, not alphabetically, first build on IMDb. Dick Miller, of course. Seems to be a staple for Joe Dante. Kirsten Dunst. And uh, Phil Hartman in what I actually believe was his very last film role. At least theatrically. And I just remember when this movie got released uh, I made a huge big deal about how they had to cut out scenes of the soldier pointing guns at him because, uh, well, you know, he was shot dead by his wife. So, yeah, they really had to cut out scenes of those. I didn't know any of that. Yep. That's it. All right, well, uh, the, uh, the movie starts out. We got the top defense contractor, Globotech Industries. And they acquire the Heartland Toy Company. And as part of the move, Globotech CEO Gil Mars tells Heartland Toy designers Larry Benson and Erwin Wayfair to develop actual live-action toys capable of, quote-unquote, playing back. Because that's such a smart idea, having AI toys. Yep. So, when I was watching this movie, I'm basically thinking, oh, fuck, this is the... uh 
Child's Play remake uh, 20 years before the Child's Play remake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Larry ends up uh, introducing the Commando Elite, and you know they have they choose to uh, have the enemies be uh, Irwin's Gorgonites. But you know he's not too happy about this because he wants them to be educational and just you know adventure. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just something I forget to mention really quick when talking about the cast. Of course, we got you. Talk about the voice of these toys. You know, the leader of the commando is, of course, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, he's kind of perfect for a commando-type dude with his <laughs> voice. And then you got Ernest Borgnine, George Kennedy, and Jim Brown for the other toys. It's a big deal because these guys were all the original, um, shoot, what was the movie again? Stand by while I look that up. Sarah Michelle Gellar is also the voice of the Gwendy dolls. Yep, and Christina Ricci. Oh, well, well. I don't know that she was in it. Oh, what, what the fuck was that movie what again? Fuck, what the hell has she been up to lately? Like, I don't think I've seen her in anything. Hey, I think that was called The Wild Bunch, I think. Well, the toy line is expected to hit the market in about three months. Faced with such a tight deadline, Benson decides to uh, forego safety testing and uses Irwin's passcode, Gizmo. Ah. <laughs> it uses Globotech's X1000 microprocessor to control the toys. And little background, the X1000 is a military chip. We meet Alan Abernathy, and uh, we meet Dick Miller. He was uh, Joe, that's his name. Yeah. And uh, Joe is delivering a shipment of some stuff, and, you know, they unbox some Commando Elites and the Gorgonites, and they look at them and like, hey, you know, Joe, how about you uh, get me a set of each and, you know, just say they fell off the back of the truck. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so, you know, he kind of goes along with it. They, uh, they decide to activate him. We got Archer for the Gorgonites. You say Halt who goes there, I believe. Yes, and uh, Archer, voiced by Frank Langella, who, of course, was another guy who played uh, Dracula before. It was a Dracula movie where I think Donald Pleasance played Don Helsing. I've staked him six times! And then we got uh, Chip Hazard for the Commando Elites. Uh, Alan's neighbor and love interest, Christy, Ends up coming into the shop, and she buys Chip as a birthday present for her brother Timmy. Alan, he returns home to discover Archer is in his backpack, and he realizes Archer is sentient. Hey! What the heck are you? You're not like any toy I've ever seen. Come on, speak up. Greetings, Alan. Now shut up. I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites. Mm-hmm. I think you're smarter than you're letting on. I bet you're smart enough to get my name right. It's Alan, just plain Alan. That's all. Got it? Greetings, Alan. I knew it! Walk to the end of the table. Don't play dumb with me. You know what I'm saying.
Balin, friend of Archer, defender of all Gorgonites, keeper of Encarta. Keeper of Encarta? You were using my computer? In the meantime, the Commando Elite awaken and break out of their boxes and apparently destroy the Gorgonites in the toy store. Soldiers, no poor sap ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by being all that he can be. Damn the torpedoes or give me death. Eternal vigilance is the price of duty. And to the victors go the spoils. So remember, you are the best. I'm the best, I'm the few, and the proud. So ask not what your country can do for you. Only regret that you have but one life to live. The war against the Gorgonites will be won. Uh-oh. Commando Elite, let the first shot be fired. Search out the Gorgonites and drag them all. Yeah! Get him! Jump on him! I stick it in 12 o'clock! Alan, he calls the company and files a complaint saying, Hey, you know, your, your toys are defective and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking sue you. Later, uh, Larry and Irwin, they listen to uh, Alan's voicemail and Irwin is horrified to discover the X-1000 was designed for smart munitions guidance. Which is basically, you know, making rockets move, I guess. Well, a, uh, a global tech engineer reveals the AI circuit is designed to learn over time in the boundaries of their programming, enhancing it, but mass production was scrapped due to issues with electromagnetic pulse shielding. So, you drop an EMP, the, the chips are fried. Meanwhile, Chip and his squad pursue Alan to his home. Uh, they end up capturing Archer and drag him down to the kitchen and hang him over the uh, the garbage disposal in an attempt to kill him, unless he tells him where the remaining Gorgonites are. Wonder if that was the little Gremlins reference too. Mm, which one? The the first Gremlins wasn't there a garbage disposal scene in that one? I think so. Yeah, yeah, one of the ways the mom kills them in the in the kitchen scene along with the microwave. Or maybe it, I think it's the blender. Pretty sure it was. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's been a while. You're supposed to say it's been a while. Been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn you, Steamed. Alan, however, hears their uh, their voices and enters the kitchen where he sees what the commandos are doing. While the other commandos flee, Alan is attacked by Nick Nitro, whom he mortally wounds by shoving him into the garbage disposal. His parents, Stuart and Irene, arrive at the kitchen, having been alerted by the sounds to the scuffle there. Alan attempts to explain what is going on, but with Archer not supporting his explanation, neither of his parents believe him, because Alan had told Archer to stop talking to him. Little smartass. <laughs> <laughs> So, the next day, Alan and Archer find the rest of the Gorgonites in a dumpster at the store. Back at home, Alan learns that the primary goal of the Gorgonites is to seek their homeland of Gorgon, which is mistakenly uh, believed to be in Yosemite National Park. Yeah, why do you think it's designed of all these little Gorgonites? Uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah I definitely think... wouldn't mind having a set as a kid. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely like the kind of toys you would see like in the 90s. 
it's just kind of funny. Find it funny that Archer, the leader, he's just like almost a very serious looking one, and all the other ones are just so goofy looking. What do you think uh, Archer is? You think he's like a cougar or something? Panther? Mm, yeah, maybe some sort of cat creature. Gotta be some sort of cat creature because when the commandos are like, you know, trying to lead him on earlier before they capture him, or like, here, kitty, kitty. Well, I was just thinking, you know, kind of like the head with the, the fangs. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, it's just about maybe halfway to the movie, and now I'm thinking about making an Archer reference since we got a character named Archer. That's how you get ants, Lana. Through tapping Abernathy's phone line, the commandos learn of Ellen's interest in Christy and decide to take her hostage. They uh, immobilize the Fimple's household to force Ellen into surrendering the Gorgonites. Ellen and Archer sneak into the Fimple's house to save Christy, but run into her Gwendy dolls, whom Chip has engineered as auxiliary troops. The Gwendys quickly subdue Ellen. They end uh, up using the uh, ship from uh, a Nitro guy's head to get that. Yeah. Archer ends up uh, cutting uh, Gwendy and Christy loose uh, from her bonds, and together they, uh, they save Ellen. And uh, destroy the Gwendys before escaping with the Commandos' kit-bashed vehicles in hot pursuit. However, the uh, the Commandos are all destroyed during the chase as they go off into a ditch and end up going into the water. And boom, it's an explosion. Even it's <laughs> <That's laughs> Hollywood. Even the toys explode. Uh, the two teenagers and Archer return to Alan's house, only to find her family and his parents waiting for them. Believing that uh, Alan had kidnapped Christy and immobilizing the Fimples, this time Stuart and Irene believe Alan and Christy's account of the uh, the Gorgonites and the Commandos with you oh. Know, help. Oh yeah, I forgot to talk about how the Commandos knocked out her parents by like tossing sleeping pills into her drink. And it's just like... Uh, <laughs> Mixing sleeping pills, especially that many with alcohol. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think her mom would actually wake up <laughs> from that shit. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, the uh, the other Gorgonites come out to uh, you know to support the uh, the claims. Uh, but Christy and Timmy's parents, Phil and Marion, aren't completely convinced. Erwin and Larry arrive and talk to Alan about the complaint he had made. At that moment, Chip, who survived the chase, attacks the house with a new force of commandos, having hijacked Joe's shipment and equipped with more improved vehicles and weapons. A, uh, a battle breaks out, trapping the Gorgonites and humans inside and cutting off the house's electricity supply. Having been guided by Irwin's advice to create an EMP blast, Alan heads out to uh, force an overlord overload of the uh, the power lines. I don't know why. I, I, I wrote overlord. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Christy, Irwin, and Larry head to the Fimple's house to turn on all electronic items inside. And then they uh, they wedge the power transformers open for a larger surge. At Archer's command, despite the fact that they were programmed to lose and the commandos were programmed to win, the Gorgonites exit the house and fight back against the commandos. Chip flies to the top of the tower line pole to uh, stop Alan, where he briefly battles and defeats Archer. 
but finds himself thrust by Alan into the power line, triggering the EMP blast, which kills Chip along with all of the remaining commandos. Mars arrives in his helicopter during the uh, police and fire department cleanup the next day. He ends up paying Joe, the Fimples, and the Abernathys for damages, as well as buying their silence from the media. Okay, just print out big-ass checks, just like that. Yeah, he, uh, he orders Larry and Irwin to prepare the commandos for sale to rebels in South America. Among the uh, the craziness of the aftermath, Alan and Christy part on highly amicable terms, now having agreed to start a relationship with each other. Uh, Alan later discovers that the Gorgonites have shielded themselves from the EMP blast by hiding underneath the Fimple's large satellite dish. The, uh, the Abernathys bring the Gorgonites to Yosemite National Park, where Alan sends them out in a large toy boat from his father's store to find their home islands of Gorgon. And we roll credits. All right, Jake. I do kind of remember this when we came out, and I thought it looked interesting. I'm almost kind of surprised I didn't go out to see it. I just remember, like, there was a, like, huge controversy when it came out just because it was just apparently too violent for what was supposed to be, like, a kid's movie. In fact, I'm reading right now, like, we're talking about how Burger King had, like, teamed up with promotion for the movie, but then, like... After the PG-13 rating, like, they actually pulled out all the, the toys and all that. And, of course, when you look back at this movie, I mean, especially nowadays, it's really not that bad. <laughs> this is nothing compared to, like, some of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, okay, granted, we watch a lot of uh, R-rated movies, but, you know, still. <laughs> still. Yeah, I just can't believe it's taken me so long to see it. I mean, I had interest when it came out, but... Just never got around to it for some reason. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's just so much movies out there to watch and all. And some movies you're interested in. And then somehow I saw The Grudge before this. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> yeah, if only you could go back in time and smack yourself and say, Hey, Scott told you to listen to something. Don't do it! <laughs> Don't waste yeah. your life. Anyway, but yeah, I'm now kind of glad I did watch this movie. It, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's kind of got that Gremlins vibe in it. You know, instead now of little green monsters, you got, like, toy soldiers. I will say, though, oh, that 90 CGI, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> but hey, it's 90 CGI, so what do you want? Yeah. I mean, I guess it must have looked good back then. Yeah, of course, you, you, yeah. know, since, you know, since certain scenes, it's, like, so obvious, especially scenes where it's so obviously a green screen and all that shit. Anyway, yeah, it's funny, you know, you gotta like the uh, the guys who voice the soldiers themselves. I mean, Ernest Borgnine and Tommy Lee Jones, and I forgot to mention, it was the uh, Spinal Tap crew, besides Frank Lagella, who was voicing the Gorgonites, like Harry Scherer, and, of course, you know, Kent Brockman himself. It was just fun. You know, just watching all these hijinks go along. And, uh, you know, we got guys like Phil Hartman, too. I think this one I'm going to give a pretty good to as well. All right. Well, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, I grew up watching this movie. I uh, had it on VHS, and it was, it was one of those movies that was in constant rotation. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've, I've been with this movie for a, a long time. Long time. Honestly, I honestly can't remember everything about it. 
going into it, but I mean, it, it, it had a lot of surprises of things that I forgot. Like, hey, yeah, that. <laughs> just fun little moments, and you know, just like, overall, it's it's a fun movie. You know, it's pretty good. I mean, it's just you, you can throw this movie on, you know, just if you're bored and just have fun with it. Yeah, it kind of it's like you said, it's it's kind of like Gremlins. It's basically kind of like the same concept, except it's toys and toys fighting each other. And now I actually thought of a good comparison for it. It's basically Gremlins meets Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that if that sounds interesting, you know. I, and something interesting I just found out. Look at the Wikipedia page for this. Apparently they plan to remake of this movie, but ends up getting canceled. One of the movies ends up being canceled when uh, Disney ends up buying Fox was a remake of this movie. I mean... Oh, that this was uh, in talks to be remade. Yeah, it's it's, uh, definitely news to me. But, you know, like I said, that Child's Play remake, that basically kind of was like a slasher remake of this movie, pretty much. So I guess in a way they kind of did. Yeah. You know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah, and, you know, despite what Hollywood might think, I don't think every movie needs a fucking remake or sequel. No, it doesn't. Yeah, but unfortunately, we're not in charge of that, so. Mm. Oh, well. Nope. It's uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, like I said before, you know, they, they remake these movies because of the name behind them, and they think that, oh, hey, I've, I saw the original, so I'm going to go see the remake. Yeah, and, like, would Small Soldiers really be, like, uh, marketable enough for a remake, you think? I think it could, but it would have to be done right. It yeah. Wouldn't, as long as it's not with, like, CGI, it's got kind of the same story to it, you know, as, you know, just updating it, you know. I mean, apparently the... More, like... T- the proposed remake wasn't even going to be called Small Soldiers. It was going to be called... Toy Mageddon, so I guess they're not banking off of the name. Well, maybe not then. I don't know. I I I don't think this movie needs to be re- remade. I think maybe yeah. you know a sequel could be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, maybe expand upon like, hey, you know, you know, or maybe you could do like the take scenes of like, you know, the the commando elites down in South America, you know, fighting in the war or something like that. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things you can do for like a sequel but i i don't think a remake is worth it because yeah. pretty much like the the whole ai thing that we have nowadays that really modernizes a lot of movies it was really done in this so it's not like it needs to be done again it would be if you were going to do this it would have to be like a shot for shot yeah i guess at least that's that's why i'm seeing it but you know nobody has to agree with me i don't care if you agree with me or not you know it's just that's that's kind of just the way my mind works. I just go on weird tangents like that. Yeah. Ever since I started writing, it's like I see movies differently now. Like it's it's really weird. Ow! Yeah. Bitch, don't bite my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess on that note, so let's take a break. <laughs>
we're back. Scott's dog is still attacking him, but we're just going to wrap the <laughs> show up now. Yeah, who so, cares? He's just biting me. So next time, well, you know, we had some episodes before where we went up to space, but next time, space or things from outer space are coming to us. Have we done in the past? No, we haven't. Well, they're coming to abduct us. That's what's happening. Alien abduction is the subject of next show. Mostly because, you know, I was listening to some old school All My Heroes and there's just this one episode. It's like, God damn, I remember watching this movie, but it's been such a long ass time. Like we always do with this. And I'm like, well, a movie I want to watch again for the longest time. Let's do it for the show. A little movie called... Fire in the Sky, based on a true story. And then another movie, more recent one, starring Mila Jovovich, called The Fourth Kind. Which, you know, it says it's based on a true story, but it really isn't. But as part of the marketing for it, you know, it's just like Blair Witch and all that. It's totally based on a true story. I don't know, I've never seen either of them. I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to get excited for. Movies you've never seen. I would think that'd be especially exciting, you know. You don't know what you expect. I know what I'm going to expect. I'm going to expect a whole lot of drawn-out tension, two minutes of aliens, and then bad story. That's pretty much what my expectation is. (laughs) That's pretty much every fucking alien movie out there. Except for Paul. (laughs) He's in that movie for fucking God knows how long. (laughs) Well, uh... All right, then. So. How Scott, right was I? How right am I? Well, will Scott's uh, expectations be met or exceeded or be a little worse? Tune in next time, but write to us at unholybofos at gmail.com or jakethesnake54 on Twitter. I'm at brother underscore Scott. Huh? Find out what Scott will think next time. Same mofo sign, same mofo's channel. Try to bring it to Batman a bit. So, until... <laughs> you can't say that, because you don't ever get these shows out at the same time every day. Or every yeah. week. Yeah, what the fuck ever. <laughs> I'm, just, hey. just, I'm supposed to go along with it, right? Yeah. Hey, ever since I got this new computer, the editing process has been much quicker, though. Oh, no, only mofo's at gmail.com. Yeah, so until... Fire in the Sky and Force Kind. Peace out. Later, fuckers. Stay until morning and promise to fight for our faith.
Let's open the door I've never stopped trying I've never stopped feeling like family is much more than blood Don't go on without me The beast that I represent compliments each and every one Till we Screamed, they'll never ever take us alive.